Unspotted Lamp, a Movies by Minute breakdown of the 1981 horror classic written and directed by John Landis, an American world from London. I'm your host, Troy. This time I'm Adrian. This time you are Adrian, yes. Not like you weren't Adrian the last time, but this time you're able to introduce yourself. Yes. Yes. And we'd like to welcome you here to this particular minute. But, but 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 only like virtually welcome you because the social distancing thing you're not allowed to come to my house yes no you're not allowed to come to our house no <laughs> her house or our house however you want to look at it <laughs> very possessive <laughs> get off my couch <laughs> <laughs> All right, so like I said, we're breaking down minute 19 this time. This minute starts uh, with an O oh, Susan and ends with it being no concern of yours. It never is. No. All right, so uh, Nurse Price uh, tells almost uh, scoldingly how improper that uh, Nurse Gallagher was. Well, I mean, it is pretty improper, unless she was helping him pee or something. Who has, but Nurse Gallagher, who has quite the grin on her face about the whole entire situation. Well, she liked what she saw. Uh, she also informs her that it is a uh, common procedure of uh, in the States. In the States, yeah, yeah, definitely not in England, no. No. We should mention for people who don't know, um, in, especially like, in like like before the year 2000 whatever like or like you know in the in the 60s 50s 60s 70s whatever um europe in europe they don't circumcise only really in europe like there's not really elective circumcision so really only jewish people are circumcised in europe like most british men are not circumcised nobody in france is circumcised so for her to make that comment for the North American audience, like today, that might not make much of a, like, oh, she's she thinks he's Jewish and because she had a look. That might not, you know, for younger audiences, that might not mean anything. But especially in Europe, like, yeah, it, it, they like their men to be intact there. So they don't do it electively. Some, you know, history for you. The uh, doctor. Dr. Scott. Janet! Dr. Scott! Janet! Ah, Walker! No, we're not going to start that again. <laughs> the Mr. Doctor in his sweater vest? Sweater vest. Yes. The Dr. Hirsch uh, is, uh, has, is standing in the doorway watching the conversation go back and forth between the two nurses. Dr. Hirsch, who is suddenly watching the exchange interaction, okay, yeah, uh, calls out Nurse Gallagher, who is slightly startled, and then Nurse uh, that uh, Nurse Price is correct. Uh, Nurse Price, who also turns her head towards the doctor, uh, the look in Nurse Gallagher's face uh, shows that she's messed up, and she knows it. <laughs> Uh, Nurse Price points out that uh, Mr. Kessler has uh, actually uh, 
just called out, uh, which seems like a distraction motion to try and like change Doctor the conversation of Doctor Hirsch, but apparently he's having nothing of it because uh, the doctor is uh, going. Uh, Oh, he has nothing to do with that right now. And inquires as to Nurse Gallagher's function at the hospital. And that she Such should... Such a British way to react to something. Yeah, and that she should get on with it. Get on with it. Yeah. Also British. Susan affirms uh, to both uh, statements. Sheepishly, she uh, leaves the room, having to pass by the doctor. And after Susan has left, uh, he approaches be- uh, David's bedside, where... He checks his pulse by grasping his wrist. Um, that's uh, David's pulse with David's wrist. After a few seconds, he looks over at Nurse Price, who is uh, still at the foot of the bed after just uh, finishing putting notes on the chart, and asks if... Uh, Can I be of service, Nurse Price? When she questions, uh, Dr. Hirsch responds for her to... Go about your duty. She politely also confirms, uh, then starts to turn and leave the room, but slowly. And uh, before she can get to the door, Dr. Hirsch asks her uh, what Mr. Kessler uh, called it. She responds with, He said, Jack. I think she's just like, you, like, to me that looks like a tolerance smile. Like, she just, she just knows what he's about. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, when she tells him that it's Jack, uh, Dr. Hirsch uh, looks over at her with a bit of concern. Notes that... Well, that would be Jack Goodman, the boy who was killed. Dr. Price uh, slowly approaches as she inquires... What happened to them? The doctor then mentions the details of the police report, an escaped lunatic, powerful man. Uh, Nurse Price gets uh, closer and closer, looking towards David. And when she's right up beside Dr. Hirsch, he tells her... Although I don't see that it's any concern of yours. Which is basically where the minute actually ends. All right, so this particular moment, we uh, get introduced to uh, John Woodvine, who is an uh, English actor born in 1929 on July 21st in Tyne Dock, South Shields, United Kingdom. He is an actor that has appeared in over 70 theater productions, as well as uh, a similar number of television and film roles. When he was five uh, during the war, he left uh, the Northeast and went back for holidays with his grandparents. But as he grew older, he had in mind to be an actor. He had no idea how to go about doing that. So he did various jobs before he being called up to the National Service in the RAF. After which, he still wanted to be an actor, but was still unaware of how to get into that profession, so he worked as a wool merchant for three years, during which he became a keen amateur actor. When the wool merchant went bankrupt, he managed to get a grant from Essex County Council to go to drama school. On completing the course, his first job was with a company that traveled around in a bus doing shows at military camps. Fun. Yeah. He then joined the Old Vic 
doing walk-on parts and small speaking parts that's and then spent two years in America and I was returned joined the Bristol Old Vic according to IMDB Mr. Woodvine has 180 acting credits Two of the years for life. Yep, starring uh, starting in 1958. But I'm just yes in uh, a ser- TV series called Murder Bag, where he had one episode, and his latest being a uh, episode in the miniseries from 2017, Decline and Fall. As of late, he has been in The Crown, Musketeers. Midsummer's Murders, Coronation Street, which he actually had an, a, two roles, the first one being in 1965 and the latest one being in 2010, the movie Mrs. Potter, the TV series Doc Martin, the TV series Shameless, the movie Vanity Fair, like many of the cast of An American World from London, he was also in the miniseries The Life and Adventures of Nicholas Nickleby. Also, Doctor Who, The Avengers, and The Saint. Just to name a few. On the commentary track, David Naughton starts off by saying... Another joke at Nurse Gallagher's mention of Mr. Kessler being a Jew. Griffin asks if they ever shot Griffin Dunn asks if they ever did a shot for her checking. Uh-huh. <laughs> and David doesn't believe that they actually shot that. Griffin then mentioned John Woodvine's name and then asks if David knew it was originally supposed to be James Fox in the role. David then counters that there was another actor, Robert Stevens, who was supposed to be playing the role as well. No mention of why neither men are actually in the role, but that's all the information they gave in the conversation. But Griffin uh, does bring up the fact about how uh, British equity might have put the kibosh on Griffin actually being part of this production. They wanted to find an American actor that was part of British equity, and they wanted to have him replace him in the role of Jack. And this was information that that he had gotten after he was cast and was a day or two away from actually flying over to England. In the script, there is no difference between the script and the screen in this moment of the film. Understandably seen, it's mostly an exposition moment for the previous and preceding minute. For the radio drama, this moment, well, word for word from the movie, which also welcomes back John Woodvine as Dr. Hirsch, is quite quickly read through. 
The minute in the movie is equal to about uh, 35 seconds of the radio drama. Added is David's faint moans in the background and the constant beeping of the monitor. And on that note, that brings us to the end of another minute of An American Werewolf in London and the end of this episode of Welcome to the Slaughtered Lamb. Be sure to... I, I apologize for being sort of working and sort of also contributing. I apologize to your listeners. I'm sorry. There are listeners. Huh? There are listeners. Oh, okay. I... You're part of this venture, too. Oh, okay. I, I, I might have started I, I, off solo. I was solo. just an accessory. I might have started off solo, but you're you're helping me pad these things. Okay, so I'm not just an accessory? No, you're not just another pretty face. I don't know. I'm, I'm you distracted yourself. Well, yeah, but I'm taking orders, so. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Be- <laughs> 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 oh my god! <laughs> I don't even like grape juice. <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on either Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast. Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast catchers. And if you would be so kind as to share, rate, and review us, that would be really cool. If you feel like following this podcast on the social medias, you can follow us at Planet Geek Pod, all one word, on Instagram and Twitter. And if you would like to send us a message via email, send it to planetgeekpod at gmail.com. So remember, until next time, keep off the moors. Stick to the roads. Best of luck. Welcome to The Slaughtered Lamb, a movies-by-minute breakdown of the movie that people were watching in 1981. I have no idea where I'm going with this. How can we have to do this every time when you just say the same thing? Well, I don't always say the same thing. But sometimes you do. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I read a script, sometimes I try and take it off the top of my head, and then I end up in a situation like this. You know? What do you mean? The... Yeah. The giant white elastic. That's what that is. Crazy white elastic belt. But is it just to give the uniform more of a female... Because there's, you can't hook anything to it. There's nothing. No, it's they're they're like a waist trainer. Like I have some. It's just literally, it is an elastic waistband with a clip on it. Right, right. There's no purpose to it at all. I mean, other than because I mean, other than to give you a waist on a dress. Right, right. Especially in a black waist around a with a white uniform. Fucking ugly uniform. Yeah.